Father God, we thank you so much for the story of Christmas. We know, God, that we would have no hope without the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Lord, I just pray as we come to a moment in time, as we just take a few minutes to reflect on the gospel and the message of Christmas, God, that you would speak to our hearts and into our lives, and that we would have the, the courage to make the changes as needed. Lord, we give you thanks, and all glory and honor goes to your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Would you give them a hand for a great job? Did y'all notice the little guitar Justin was playing? He left it in the dryer too long, didn't he? So. Well, good evening. We were not going to pass the offering plate, but looking at this crowd, we're going to twice. So get out your money to give to Jesus. We, uh, we at the church earlier today got a an update on where Santa Claus is. You may not believe that, but as pastors, we have privilege that you lay people don't have. And we have a video that was sent to us. Santa's okay, but we wanted you to see where it, earlier today he was and what happened to him. He is okay. You, you didn't know this either. Santa was a Catholic. He just got baptized and joined the Baptist church there. So we're excited about that. We have uh, Brandon sitting up here with a clock in his lap. Did somebody tell him to do that? <laughs> now he's holding it up high. Marcy, get that from him, please. We have been in a sermon series uh, talking about the most wonderful time of the year. And we know Christmas time is uh, the holidays. There's grief and there's sadness. But it is a wonderful time. Our son got to come in. Our other daughter, Julie, and granddaughter, Nicole, from Texas are here with us. And, you know, it's a time when you get to see your, your kinfolk, your in-laws, your outlaws, and the whole gang. But it's, it's great to see them. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2 this evening, and we're going to be looking at a familiar story about the shepherds. And we're going to be talking about the possibility of something great happening in your life and in my life this evening. But I want to begin with this. It seems a little melancholy. Tonight can seem like just any other night, can't it? I mean, you're at church. It's a candlelight service. The heroes of our story after Jesus, the human heroes, in verse 8, it says, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. We have a picture, a true picture, of the possible traditional shepherd fields. That is about three-fourths of a mile outside of Bethlehem. There's speculation where those sheep that were being kept to be used for temple sacrifices, the Bible doesn't know, so we don't know uh, about that for sure. But here's what we do know. Guys, there's no record that they were out there singing praise songs, or if you're more traditional, they had an organ out there and were doing old hymns. We don't have any record they were having a Bible study or looking at Hebrew words. They were just out doing what they normally do, just a typical night. And it's easy for this evening... For this just to be another night, I got to counting this week and realized this is my 57th Christmas to be alive. Now, actually, I, it's, I'm 32, so that's another Christmas miracle. <laughs> but I don't remember a lot of those, obviously. And, and, and a lot of Christmas Eves are good, but they just, they just drift by and they don't make a difference in your life. 
But I want to throw you something from this story. And I want to throw this at you. And I'm not, I don't think I'm playing this up too much. This can be a life-changing night. It can be. This can be a night when something happens in your life and in your marriage, in your family, something that happens in you that you take with you to work that changes the trajectory of your life and maybe even your eternity. Let me, let me ask you to do something. Maybe it's not for you, it's for somebody else. Do you know somebody or do you maybe, do you need something great to happen in your life in the days ahead? Four of us. The rest of you are dismissed. Uh, you do. And I even thought that's an awkward thing to raise your hand about. But we do. Well, let's look at the story. Something that the shepherds didn't know in verse 7. And she gave birth. She is married to her firstborn son who was Jesus. And she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and she laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Swaddling clothes have come back in vogue with... That's where you kind of wrap the baby up tight. For a long time, they didn't do that, but that's what they did with Jesus. Obviously, must be smart. They're doing it again. You know, Jesus was laid in a manger. Don't you like away in a manger? No crib for a bed. Here's the politically incorrect way about that. Jesus was born in a barn. Whether it was a barn like we know it or an open-air corral or a cave, uh, a manger is a cattle or animal trough. Did you know that? It doesn't see Reggie Hanson tried a few years ago to sing Away in a Cattle Trough, No Crib for His Bed. It just didn't sound as good, did it, Reggie? So we went back to manger. But I'm sure Mary and Joseph are great parents, and they had cleaned it up. But that's what had happened. But the shepherds at this point have no idea about that. Again, verse 8 and 9, the same region, their shepherd out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And in verse 9, something happened that's going to rock their world forever. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. The glory of the Lord literally means the manifest presence of God showed up. Here are these guys out there. They're getting a dip. They're chewing. They're talking about the day. They're talking about how the Cowboys are losing and the Saints are winning. They're just doing what guys do. And all of a sudden, God shows up. Now, listen, this is really Theologically, what I'm fixing to say is absolutely true. God is here tonight. God is in this room. You can miss him. You, you can miss him by being apathetic. You can be like the religious leaders in Jerusalem who missed him because you've heard it before and you don't need it anyway. Or you can sit up and tune in because God, I believe with all my heart, is trying to speak to you this evening. This could be a life-changing night for you. In verse 10, an angel said to them, Fear not, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Let me tell you what these words meant. Good news meant I evangelize you. They were basically saying, Man, we have got something we're going to try to pull you over to. We've got good news of great, exceeding, abundant joy. We've got, we've got news that is overflowing with exuberance and happiness and joy, and it's for all the people. The shepherds were outcast, downcast, religiously, morally. What a word that they needed to hear. What a word some of you need to hear this evening. Is that God has a word for you. No matter if you're at the top of the scale in Ruston or wherever you live or at the bottom, God has a word for you. And verse 11 is a pivot of the Bible, folks. It's one of those hinge verses of the Bible. 
For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The city of David is Bethlehem. The Jewish people knew the Messiah. The Christ is going to be born in Bethlehem of Judea. He's been born there. He's a Savior. The Savior meant a deliverer and a rescuer. Listen, the Jewish people were wanting someone to, to deliver them and to rescue them from the power of Rome and, and the evil and the corrupt government. The emperor called himself a Savior because that was such a great title. In the Old Testament, God the Father is considered and referred to as the Savior. And he said, listen, the Savior has been born for those shepherds. Listen, a Savior has been born for you. He is Christ. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew, the New Testament in Greek. And the Old Testament, they talked about the Messiah. The Greek is just the, the Christ is just the Greek equivalent of Messiah. That's the anointed one of God. The Jewish people have been waiting a thousand years for the Messiah and the Savior. And these lowly shepherds, these lower class people, are the ones that are first hearing this message that, that the Savior, that the Messiah has been born. And he throws in this little bit of thing, and he is Christ the Lord. Remember, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. My church members have heard me tell this, but they've forgotten it, so they need to hear it again. It's a, it's a, this is a great truth. The Old Testament is written in Hebrew. But by Jesus' day, they had translated the Old Testament Hebrew into the Greek Old Testament. It was called the Septuagint. It was probably the Bible Jesus read. Jesus' native tongue was Aramaic, but he would probably have been fluent in, in uh, Greek and Hebrew and maybe even Latin because of the Roman influence. So he probably read out of, and the people read out of, a Greek Old Testament. And the, and the word Lord is the word kuros. And in the Old Testament, in the Greek, when it would talk about God the Father, it would refer to him often as kuros or Lord. And, and now they've just said basically the Lord God has been born in a barn in Bethlehem. Folks, that's news that can change your game. That's news that can change your life. That was a message for them, but let, listen, it didn't make it in the Bible as a history lesson. It made it in the Bible for a life-changing lesson for you and me. So here's the next thing I want to tell you. Again, I believe this with all my heart. I don't think it's, it's overstating it to say this. It will be a life-changing night for you if you'll respond properly. You're going to respond. I'm going to respond. Our response can be apathy. Don't pay attention. Don't care. That's, that's a response. No is a response. I never understood when, you, when I was single and you ask a girl out and she says no, that's a response, isn't it? I never heard that, of course, but you know... I, I had friends who I counseled who heard that. <laughs> My family thought that was too funny. <laughs> or you can respond in a way tonight that will change your life. You say, well, I'm already a Christian. Well, many of you are Christians who are way need a God injection in your heart and your life. Every Christian needs a God injection. In verse 12, it's clear the angels gave this not for an academic discussion but for a response. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. In other words, the, the angels said, we, we shared this with you so you would go. And, and God's used music tonight. He's using the preacher. He's using the Bible 
is give a message to you so that we will respond to it and that we will act upon it. Verse 13 and 14. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. That word peace means untroubled, undisturbed state of mind. You don't need to raise your hands, but I'd bet if there's 700 people in this room, 500 of us desperately need that. Yeah, you can get it from Bud Light and from Xanax, but it's temporary. Jesus entered a world that was under what was called the Pax Romana, the Roman peace. Caesar Augustus, about 27 years before Jesus' birth, had declared Rome ruled the world that there would be no war at land or sea. And, and one of the Stoic philosophers of this day said the emperor can say there's no war at land and sea. And that's wonderful, but the emperor cannot give peace in you and me. Amen. Man, we don't need a war, but the emperor or the king or the president or the governor cannot give you and I peace. And God says, but there's peace to those people who find my favor and who please me. In verse 15, the story continues. When the angels went away into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, they were talking back and forth, let's go to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. In verse 16, and they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. In other words, guys, when they knew what God wanted them to do, they quit debating it, they didn't discuss it, they didn't argue about it, they didn't say, let's wait another week or two. They got up and followed Christ. And it says they, they, they found him, which means it took some effort. You see, some of us, I think, just think if we sit and hum loud enough, our world's going to change. God, God's going to do the miracle in your life. You're not, but God makes you and I respond to it. And that's what they did. In verse 17, when they saw it, they made known the saying that they had been told concerning the child. When I read that this week, that bothered me because Jesus is not an it, is he? They saw it. It is the whole thing. When they saw the baby in the manger, they saw Joseph and Mary, the whole scenario. And when they saw it, neat, neat word there, saw. It's okay that you see something. Well, the Bible word saw there means to see something with your eyes but to perceive it with your mind that's literally what it means it means i saw that and i'm changed by what i saw it's it's a word of seeing something and experiencing it it was used in the greek language to talk about someone who's experienced grief or experienced joy experienced pain listen what this meant was the wise men to use our modern lingo they had an encounter with christ and were changed and in verse 18 through 20, the story continues. And all who heard it wondered at the, what the shepherds told them. Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. Folks, let me tell you some things that are remarkable about the shepherds. Shepherds are lower, in this area, lower class, low blue-collar workers. They were considered unreliable witnesses in court. They had a reputation of walking from field to field and taking your tools with them as they went to the next field. In some synagogues, which is the Jewish version of the local church, they were banned under, they were under what was called the rabbinic ban. 
because the, some of the, the rabbis said they can't get in and do the hand washings and all these ritual things, so we're going to push them aside. They, they were cast aside by society and by their own churches. But the first person that the birth of Christ came to was them. So let me tell you this evening. If you've been cast aside by a church, come to First Baptist. We'll love you and take you in. Second thing, people may cast you aside, but Jesus isn't. No matter how poor you are, no matter how far you are on the edge of life, no matter what your reputation or your past or your present is, when you're ready to respond to Christ, he's ready to meet you and change you. But I know in this room we've got people who have money, who have influence, who have power. Oh, that's great. That's wonderful. That's not going to get you to heaven, but it's good. And can I tell you a secret? Jesus loves you just as much. And he's waiting for you to respond to him. No matter how rich you are, no matter how poor you are, no matter how influential you are, you know what? There's old, old saying, it says it's cliche, it's worn out, but the, the, the ground at the foot of the cross is level. That's true. We all come to Jesus the same way. And the same Jesus who spoke to the shepherds is, spoken, is speaking to you even on this night. Folks, if you were to go back and look at the Christmas story, it's amazing. Every major character is changed by something that happened that they weren't expecting. It wasn't like they go, man, I'm going to go to church tonight and I will be changed forever. My wife is going to be nice after tonight. You know, whatever. That, that wasn't what they were thinking. Mary is minding her own business and an angel shows up and says, you're going to be pregnant and you're going to bear the Son of God. And she responded properly. And it changed her life and so many others. Oh, Joseph's minding his own business, excited about getting married, and he finds out his fiance's pregnant. Shock. And it isn't his double, triple, quadruple shock. And then he doesn't know what to do, and out of nowhere, God shows up and whispers in his ear and says, This is of me. Take her and be her husband. And he obeys. The wise men are just looking up in the stars, doing what they do. And then one night they see something that they can't shake, and they know it's of God. And they follow God, and it changes their life in the course of history. And these shepherds are out chewing and dipping and spitting and talking and just having a great old time in the field. You know they were. And God shows up unexpectedly and they respond properly that night and it changes their life forever I want to tell you a personal story May the 5th 1996 it was a Sunday preachers remember Sunday because that's the only day of the week we work of course I was pastoring in College Station Texas beautiful little sweet church we had a great Sunday morning, average sermon, but great Sunday. And there was a, a young, blonde-haired, single woman that was coming to my church. I think she was chasing a single preacher. She denies that. But she, she wasn't at church that Sunday morning, but she came that Sunday night. And I preached, and, and after church, we got to talk, and, and I got to lead this lady named Cindy to Christ. 
And, and after Cindy got saved, later I got to baptize her. If I'd have known I was going to marry her, Pull her up, preacher. And then we, we began to date. And I watched Cindy help our kids get saved. I watched Cindy lead her mom to Christ. And her grandma to Christ. And I married the chick. You know it changed my life. And our grandkids are old enough to have come to Christ, have given their lives to Christ. And it goes back to May the 5th, 1996, a night that you weren't expecting. I mean, preachers always pray for something to happen. But I can tell you, she wasn't thinking anything supernatural was going to happen. But God spoke and she responded, and it, ch it changed a lot of people's lives forever. And God's speaking to you tonight. In just a moment, I'm going to lead us in a prayer for Christians and for people who may not be Christians but to give you the opportunity to respond to Christ this evening. Would you bow your heads with me? If you're a Christian, do you need to come back to God? Is there some repentance that needs to take place? So your marriage, so your family, so your dating relationship, so your future will be what it should be, come back to Christ tonight. You're here this evening and you're not a Christian or you're not sure. This can be the night that changes you forever. Pray with me. Just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to repent of my sins. And Jesus, I accept that you're God's son and that you died for me and arose for me. Come into my heart. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Amen.